This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. It's another mild day today. It's been really unseasonally mild, hasn't it, for this time of year? And I suppose we can take comfort from that because we're probably saving a little bit on our fuel costs and hopefully it'll shorten the winter a little bit. John Paul has taken your calls this morning at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp to 0862103103. And actually later on on the programme today, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is off for a couple of weeks, so she won't be joining us uh, today. Uh, so instead, on her normal slot, we're going to be speaking with John Dolan, the editor of The Holly Bow. And The Holly Bow now is officially out and it's in the newsagents. And when you, and it's just always such a gorgeous production, isn't it? And it's when you see the bright red colour of The Holly Bow. And of course, I always can't wait to see what the picture and the painting is going to be on, on the front never ever disappoints and it certainly doesn't disappoint again this year it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful uh, painting and actually I'd, I'll talk to John about it it's from a, a Cork artist who by all accounts is a very talented guy by the name of uh, Keith An- Anderson but he's a, he's untrained he's one of these guys who just took up painting and has and is extremely talented and as always with any of the paintings on the front of the Holly Bow it's just the incredible detail that's in it it's of uh, St Finbar's Cathedral but when you look very closely at the bridge you'll see just a tiny little man in red walking over the bridge and of course in the, f- the forefront of it is is a, is a robin and I've, I I love robins I just think they're they, I think there's a lot of us look at robins when we see a robin come to maybe the back door or land on a windowsill we think of our loved ones who are, are dealing dearly departed and the holly bow I think because it's been a Cork tradition since 18 18- 97. It's, you know, it's unreal to think that every Christmas in Cork, the Holly Bow would arrive and people would go, now, yeah, it's officially Christmas now when the, ho- when the Holly Bow uh, get, gets here. So you would have had parents and grandparents and great grandparents who would have all celebrated and would have read the Holly Bow. And it, it never fails to disappoint every single year, whether it's, and I think a lot of people dip into the Holly Bow for nostalgia and there's lots of nostalgia uh, in there. But it's, there's something in it, certainly, for all all of the family as indeed there always is so keep a look out for the Holly Bow and if you want to hear more about what is in 
this year's edition of the Holly Bell we'll speak with the lovely editor John Dolan uh, later on on the programme and when I was flicking through it last night I was just feeling very festive as I was reading some of the articles and kind of half wishing my Christmas tree was up because I'm a lover of Christmas tree of Christmas and I love when the Christmas decorations are up now I'm not one of those that jumps in early and puts up the Christmas tree I still probably am earlier than a lot of people would think I'm generally speaking around the beginning of December the tradition always was that they would be up for the late late the toy show which normally happened on the first weekend of December so they would be up around the beginning of December but that's gone earlier now I think it's the it's the last Friday isn't it in November so that's a little bit too early for me so probably the following weekend afterwards I'll put up the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations and then I just hate when January comes and I have to take them down and the house looks so bare now I know that doesn't suit everybody there's a lot of people who will not put them up until the week before Christmas and whatever your tradition is that is fine but there are people who are soon as Halloween is over, the Christmas tree goes up. And I've seen a couple of people, just a very tiny handful of people on social media who are already saying, yes, their Christmas trees and there's pictures of their Christmas trees up. So I don't know if many people have already decided to go down that route. And I suppose it's been a rough year as it was last year. We were pretty much having the same conversation. So for some people, they decided to maybe get into the Christmas spirit a little bit early to try to make up for everything that's been happening this year. So let us know if you have put up your Christmas tree or is literally where we were nearly at the middle of November is that just simply way too early I saw on the news last night the lights the lights officially went on in Dublin very different again ceremony to what normally would happen with when the switching on of the lights but again it's lovely to see the lights go up in our cities and in our towns because it gives that festive atmosphere and you can already see it I was driving down uh, to the town of Mallow the other day after picking up uh, Marsha and I was stuck in traffic if you live in Mallow you know what it's like to be stuck in traffic and you could already see the shops a lot of the shops have the twinkling lights and this it's just something to me I find something magical about it as I say I know it doesn't float everybody's boat but we'll be talking Christmas just to warn people because some people will will be tearing their hair out saying it is too early to be talking about Christmas but we will because we want to chat about the uh, Holly Bell. Now something that may turn up under the Christmas tree in some households will be e-scooters and maybe electric bikes this year and we spoke about e-scooters and electric bikes on the programme last month and this was to do with the fact that Eamon Ryan our Transport Minister uh, published the Road Traffic and Roads Bill and he when we were talking about it last month it was mentioned that e-scooter owners will not have to have a licence in order to be on their e-scooter they won't pay taxes and they won't pay insurance under this new legislation and the second stage debate of this bill was in the Dáil yesterday with the Minister for State at the Department of Transport Hildegard Nocton saying the bill will consolidate all of the traffic laws in Ireland it's not just to do with e-scooters and electric bikes but the big emphasis is on that. She said the bill does not envisage scooters needing anything more by law than a bicycle. However, there will be a minimum standard of what the vehicles must adhere to. And so therefore, as with bicycles, uh, registering them is not needed. Licensing, having a driver's licence is not needed. Taxation is not needed. And you don't need to have uh, insurance. None of that will be mandatory. Nor will the use of helmets or other personal protection equipment. It'll be strongly recommended uh, 
for users' safety and the safety of other road users that you do have a helmet and that you do have some kind of personal protection equipment on you. But it will not be necessary. And I'm, I'm wondering, is that a mistake? Should they at least insist that people have helmets on? Hildegard Noxton said, we intend to set out minimum vehicle standards for the e-scooters to ensure that they're safe to use and that they're environmentally friendly. She said, we'll consider amongst other items their steering mechanism, the suitable weights and dimensions, the brakes that they have, the type of tyres and also the type of lighting. And then she went on to discuss for electric bikes, speed will be a determining factor because it seems some of the bicycles, the electric bicycles can reach speeds of 25 kilometres per hour. And that's why I can't understand why they're not making helmets mandatory. If you come off anything at 25 kilometres per hour and you you fall off and you ma- you hit your head, you imagine that you could do yourself a lot of damage, particularly you could occur a head injury. But anyway, they've, the powers that be have decided in all their wisdom that they're not going to make it mandatory for helmets uh, nor will people have to take out insurance and I know last month when we first mentioned this the number of people were saying well what happens if there's an accident between a motorist and somebody on an e-scooter or somebody that's on an electric bicycle it's the car owner and the car owner's insurance that will have to pick up the tab and many people felt that that wasn't fair Hildegard Noxton says we will continue to treat this kind of e-bike and e-scooter in the very same way that we treat an ordinary pedal cycle and the rules of the road for bicycles uh, will also uh, apply accordingly which means you can't use one of these e-scooters or e-bikes on a footpath but that doesn't mean that that's not already happening. She says the type of e-bike will not require registration taxation or licensing. Now actually at that debate yesterday I spotted that Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock he's uh, when he was talking on the bill he said that he was delighted to see the part of the bill there was a focus on the illegal use of scramblers now scramblers are a big problem in certain areas and these are a problem that can they can cause lots of issues that can be antisocial behaviour with scramblers and also they can be involved in very serious accidents Sean Sherlock said that members of Angarda Siakona are instructed not to pursue young people who are on quad bikes or scramblers or so on and that's owing to the inherent safety risk in pursuing these uh, vehicles. He added that, that this, this the bill must help Gardaí in that particular area. Something needs to be done about it because young people now know that if they're on one of these quads or they're on a scrambler and they're involved in antisocial behaviour and the Gardaí arrive, they know that the Gardaí are not going to give chase for fear that that could lead to a serious accident and or even uh, death. So a lot still to be discussed with this bill but it is looking like the e-scooters there will be rules around the rules of the road but it'll be the same rules that are used for bicycles but certainly no tax and no insurance and I know when I was talking in the office with John Paul last week the National Council for the Blind has come out quite strongly on the e-scooters saying that there should be some kind of a bell on them and when we discussed it last month not even discussing the fact of the problems they can cause for somebody who's visually impaired I couldn't get over the number of people who contacted us to say in their own local town or even village that they'd been walking on a footpath and suddenly out of nowhere one of these e-scooters came flying down the footpath. There was one woman who was saying she was walking with her shopping bag and she didn't even barely even heard this person come behind her and the speed at which they went by her 
nearly knocked her to, to the ground and you know she was a person saying she was worried that what would have happened the person on the e-scooter wasn't even aware of the fright that she had been given but it was down to the fact that it shouldn't have been on the footpath and when this legislation goes through it definitely won't be allowed to be on footpaths they'll have to be on roads the same as a bicycle Mike in Skibbereen says Patricia I'm like you I love Christmas I also was watching the Christmas lights when switched on in Dublin uh, last night I absolutely loved it problem in our house is Mike and Skibbereen the wife hates Christmas <laughs> it's all the fuss and all the putting up with the decorations and the lights it's the same in my house Mike don't worry about it I've got a hubby as well who absolutely is not a fan of a Christmas uh, at all but that doesn't stop me putting up all the lights and he, he, my husband claims if you stand around long enough in our house you'll be bedecked in fairy lights and uh, baubles and Kaleta sent in some gorgeous photographs of a house all decorated for Christmas and I'm assuming if this is the outside the inside is probably si- uh, um, similar it was on the, the 22nd of October my friend was out walking and spotted this house it's in uh, Dublin it looked like the lights are on inside in the house the tree was up inside because you could see the lights on and there's a gorgeous big looks like a kind of a fancy tree in the garden as well that is all of the very large baubles uh, on it and surrounding the door as well so yeah you do get people who are massively into Christmas and spend a lot of money investing in their inside and outside Christmas decorations Now Gardaí and Bantry have uh, been on to us they're advising of traffic delays in the town of Bantry now it's owing to an incident involving a tractor and a trailer. Hopefully everybody is okay. It happened on Church Street near the library and it's causing traffic to be severely backed up. So patience please if you are stuck in that traffic jam at the moment. And Gardaí tell us that people can expect delays in Bantry Town for at least another hour. So if you need to go to Bantry or need to go through the town and you haven't left yet, I'd sit at home, put on the kettle, maybe make a nice cuppa and wait because you're going nowhere for the next hour. And as I say, patience to all of those who are stuck in that traffic jam at the moment. And hopefully, um, whatever that incident was with the tractor and trailer, everybody's okay. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We're going to take a break. And we're back discussing bullying with a young man who shares his own story with us. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. As part of Movember, we are continuing to highlight issues around men's mental and physical health. And this morning, my next guest joined Mental Health Ireland as one of their Voices of Their Library project. Galway native Chris Sherlock is sharing his story to raise awareness of bullying and Chris joins me this morning Good morning to you Chris Morning Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme Now your bullying began in secondary school Take me back firstly in primary school Was everything fine in primary school and did you have any fears or concerns heading into secondary school? No, primary school was absolutely fantastic. Um, I have to say, I got out with my teachers. I had a good group of friends, so I was 100%, you know, ready to kind of start secondary school. And I was, I had a bit of nerves going into the secondary, but it, it was no more than normal. I was a shy kid, so I was kind of like, you know, very sceptical about the whole new thing anyway but it was nothing that was going to just you know like wash off me like a duck you know off a duck's back because it's it's just really the 
the getting used to a new building, new teachers, new subjects, etc. You know, so I knew there was going to be a bit of nerves in that, but nothing too bad where I'd I'd struggle. You know. Yeah, where where everybody goes through that with when they're go- making that transition from primary to secondary school, there's almost a nervous excitement uh, about it. And did you have uh, schoolmates from primary going into that school with you? There was a few, but they weren't my usual posse. Let's say, you know, they they were they were in my class, but I I wouldn't be hanging around with them all the time, you know. So I I, I kind of went in there with just a small few, maybe about four or five at the most, and it was just it was it was different. So I I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them like the the usual group I would hang around with, but you know they we were all in it together, regardless if you know what i mean we were we were kind of getting used to things and trying to see and the the system back then now when I say it back then we're talking around two thousand and four two thousand and five, and we were split up into different classes, so there'd be like uh one b one one b two and two of my friends that would have came with me they were in a different kind of class so I I would only have one or two when it came to lessons actually in in the class so it was it was very strange how it was done but I don't know if it's still done that way to this day but it was it was more of an isolation I, I found at the start I thought oh this is kind of different and then I was thrown in with a, a whole new group but it was just the way it went. So how soon did the bullying begin and what form did it take at the start, Chris? Oh, it started straight away, to be honest. It was the first week I was subject to name calling. So everything was kind of thrown at me like faggish, book teeth, you know, loner, all this kind of stuff. It was just ridiculous. Um, but I just thought if I say nothing, they'll eventually get fed up and move on. And I just kind of kept that mindset. And, you know, if you don't kind of act on a bully's uh, reaction or actions it would just go away and I I thought that would work genuinely did but no it, it didn't it, it actually got worse as we went into the second week of it And did you share what was happening with anyone at that stage? No he's no, so it was basically I was this 13 year old kid, uh, you know, just settling into a new school. I was trying to make new friends. So I was trying to be that, you know, that that kind of teenage cocky kind of guy, you know, trying to impress other lads and kind of blend in because it was an all boys school. So there was, you know, it was trying to like be involved in the, in like a team or a community or whatever. I don't play sports, so I knew that I was never going to be a part of, say, a football team or basketball team. So I had to try and find other ways to kind of get involved and chat to people and just try and find something in common, you know. It escalated very quickly and very seriously. Yeah, so the first week was the name calling and then... Going into the second week, I had the same thing, but it was just one day I was on a school lunch break and regularly I would phone home to the parents just to check in and let them know how things were going, you know, subject wise and teacher wise, etc. And when I was talking to my mother on the phone this particular day on, on lunch, these two guys came up behind me and out of nowhere just pushed me against the wall, took my phone off me and flung it away and just started choking me out of nowhere and I was in shock you know as you can imagine I was just paralyzed with fear because I wasn't expecting anything like this of course and I just thought what am I going to do here like and they were 
were comments saying who are you on the phone to, you shouldn't be on the phone, faggot and all this. You know, it was a lot of the reoccurring stuff. And, and these were I old. Just, these I, were older boys, Chris. Um, I I think they were maybe second year, third years. Okay. Um, so that there would have been a year or two ahead of me, okay. definitely. Okay, and so, and again, you didn't report that or tell your parents about that incident. No, you see, that was the thing. So I was fearful in that moment because of not just what was happening, but when I eventually squirmed out of the situation, I went to the quietest area I could and I phoned back and I and I had to get the phone and my mother was worried about what was happening. Like she says, what happened there? But I just covered it up with saying I dropped the phone, you know, and by the time I rang her back and made the call and they didn't seem to know anything was going on and no one was kind of seeing these situations either. And it, it, that that's kind of why it kept happening, I think, because I wasn't doing anything about it. And I mm. was just so nervous to talk up in case that I would be the rat and know, make it worse. I know, I know, I know. And a few days later then, there was a very frightening episode. Yeah, so this was kind of the, the last straw for me. Um, I was going up to class. It was uh, kind of on the top floor of the school. And it's an old style building. So there's kind of like hardcore floor and so up the steps it's like a, a square version of a spiral staircase if you kind of get my mm, I know exactly get the picture T- typical, typical in a school yeah exactly yeah typical school staircase so and at the top of each corridor there was a set of double doors that you'd go through and there was you know it was common for kind of kids to be hanging around and just waiting for the class or whatever so it was kind of something I was getting used to but when I was going through these doors to get to my class the bell had just rang and I was kind of like panicking to get there and I met these two lads with another lad there and they were waiting for me kind of thing at the top of the stairs and they just kept pushing me away from the door every time I went to go through it they kept pushing and shoving and eventually um, as a part of the school uniform there was like a polo shirt and they pulled it up over my head and then they just pushed me down the stairs and I just remember looking up at them and they were laughing and sniggering and you know it was just it was it was horrible and whatever way I looked at my hand there was blood pumping from my just just kind of above my elbow to to my wrist there just just under it and I thought oh god and I was shaking then because I didn't know what to do um I I just legged it to the school office because uh, I just knew I saw blood I saw red so get help immediately and but the minute I got to the school office, luckily there was a school nurse there at the time. And she says, oh, my God, what happened to you? You know, and I just said I, I tripped and fell down the stairs. So, again, I covered that up instantly and I got bandaged up and then my parents were sent for. Do you wish now, Chris, that you had there and then called out the lads that had done that to you? Yeah, I, I do. But it, it's when you're in the situation, it's a different ball game because... I was in fear of if I told these lads and I and I still have to go to school, I I was afraid that this was going to get much, much worse. Now, you know, that is bad, of course, but I just thought this is going to be the end of me if I do rat on them and then I'm going to get more hassle. So I was trying to say nothing and just move on. But it was affecting me at home. You know, I wasn't doing my homework too good. I was losing sleep. I, I kind of, well, I didn't know back then what it was, but I was suffering from PTSD. So I was reliving all these moments in my head and I just, I was afraid to go to school. So I was coming up with scenarios of feeling sick and, you know, trying to like get into class and, uh, and I would be literally only in school on days and I'd be 
I'll be ringing home to say, pick me up. I'm I'm not feeling too good. So, you know, there's only so long you can basically pretend to be sick. You know, even though I was feeling stressed and kind of anxious, but it wasn't as sick as I thought I was going to be, if you know what I mean. It yeah. was just... But you opened up... Everything to, just... You opened up to your parents then and told them what had happened. I did, yeah. So I had a few days off following that and I went back to the school, say, the following Monday and they... My mum actually walked me to the school gates and she's because she was a bit worried about me. And I, at the school gates, I just saw every memory flash by me. Uh, it was it was like one of those old, you know, those projector films where you see mm. like all these clips. That's what it felt like to me I, what I was watching, except it was my life. And I thought, oh, this is going to be worse and worse the more I let it go. So I just broke down in hysterics. I started kind of like struggling to breathe. My chest was tight. I didn't understand it at the time as well, but it was a panic attack. And I, my mother was there just watching me like break down. And she was wondering what was going on because it was just the first she ever heard of it, of course. And we, I was trying to make sense of what was happening. And so we went back and we talked about it. And then we took action in talking to the school. And I did pinpoint who I could pinpoint out of the group. But there was not much done. It was just detention and they got expulsion for about two days. And yeah, it was just, even yeah, they the were just suspended. They weren't even expelled. And the comment out of the principal about it was your first year beating. Yeah, that's what they said in the first meeting. It's the consequences of being a first year student is what he said to me. And my parents were in the room as well and a, a year ahead teacher and we all kind of looked at each other and looked at him and my dad went off the handle. You know, he was like, well, that's it. You know, you're not going back there. Um, you know, you can go to another school. But I didn't want to go back there anyway. But like what kind of principal, you know, would say something like that? Obviously him. But, you know, it. I thought I was dreaming or something. It was weird. I mean, being somebody, a young lad being pushed down. A stairs uh, is not a little bit of missing and a first year beating. It's just it's it's beyond beyond shocking that a principal could have made that uh, statement. And that really was it for you, Chris. You left school. You did home tuition then for for a year. You never went back to school after that, did you? No, I was forced to try and go back on a few uh, occasions. It was, I was given the option of a new school um, but I was I was just I lost trust in people Patricia to be honest with you because I was thinking no matter where I go I could possibly be in that same situation again and just I, I couldn't bear it like so it, it, it just it was getting to me every time I would talk to them the the educational welfare officer for Galway he he is actually calling to my door and having meetings with me because this this is how kind of bad it was that I wasn't going back to school I was missing out on my education I wanted to go back to school and I knew I needed an education but every time I went to try something I was just not able to do it I I would be sleep you know sleepless nights again and that kind of thing and I it got to a breaking point Patricia where I. I was encouraged at this stage when I was talking to my GP and a teen psychologist in the background of all this that, you know, to go for walks and throw myself into my hobbies. And I just remember one day I had this meeting and this guy, the the education welfare officer said to me, look, you're going to need to go back to school. Otherwise, you're you're going to miss out big time and your life isn't going to be as good as it should be. And I just thought, right, I need to get away from this situation. So I went for a walk. 
and I was everything was going around in my head the bullies the, the my future what my parents would think of me at this stage because I was worried that I would let them down and disappoint them and just be a burden and I just thought well do you know what I, I live near the Gawa canals here if I go to the canal and jump in I can't swim and that's it do you know I'll end my life and I'll be a burden to nobody and I wouldn't have to worry about myself going forward and and because somebody was watching out from you from above, I think you you seriously thought about throwing yourself into the canal, except some old school friends happened to see you. Yeah, it was actually um, local estate kids here that I grew up with on the street. They were walking home and they just saw me out and about. And all I uh, all I could hear in the distance was a big whistle as I was about to jump in. And it was a stroke of luck that they were there at the time because if it had been 30 seconds later, I, I would have been gone over in. It was just that distraction of them kind of reaching out. You know, it was a simple act of kindness and a normal day to day for them because they just said when they got up to me that, you know, we're heading back to our house playing video games. Do you want to join us? And that was it then, well, you know, the, well. it was finished at that. And they weren't aware of what was going through your head. Have you shared that with them? Um, they they know that I was being bullied, but I didn't exactly tell them, um, you know, what, what was, was going, going on in my head. Yeah, 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 so now they've probably heard it since, since the release yeah. of the book and the story. But that it was, it was just that. That's the dark place I was in and I, I'm so grateful for them and I'm still in touch with them, not as much as I'd like to be, but, you know, life just gets in the way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and listen, to hear you say you're afraid you, you would disappoint your parents. You're a much-loved son, Chris. You could never, no matter what you do in life, you can never disappoint your parents and, and never forget that, never forget that. OK, yeah. so you decided then education, the formal education, any kind of education was over for you. But you thought to yourself, I can do stuff myself. I can educate myself. Yeah, so I was I was nervous when we were told that the tuition had stopped because we were only granted for about not even a year. And then government cuts said otherwise at that time because I was supposed to take me up to my junior cert to try and get the education that I was promised in the beginning. But... When I was left to my own devices at home, I would kind of further educate myself in every way possible. You know, I would do my times tables. I would look up words that I would hear on the TV or the radio because that was always on in our house. So it was my source of kind of education to a degree. So I would kind of thrive on that and I would do maths and I would leave off on parts where my tutor had left. I would just go over what I could and explore the book in my own way, whatever the subject was. And then, of course, you know, the Internet is a great vessel. If it's used right, you can learn stuff and, you know, come across videos. And so I kind of threw myself into hobbies, mostly um, outside of the normal kind of day to day subjects. And I just kind of found myself liking photography. I found myself liking radio, uh, video editing, websites, all that kind of thing. So I would just learn and do the best I could and just kind of thrive on and explore these areas and that's and, and it, that's, it was, that's what you're doing now you're actually you you present a program on radio yeah of course yeah yeah it, it's 
Well, my mother always said to me, you know, you, you talk a lot. You can never shut up. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, fair enough. So she says, I can always see you working on radio, you know, or doing something to that extent. And I says, well, that's the passion. So I've always watched, you know, TV and the people on the radio would always kind of interest me in the conversations and the chats and the banter. So I was driven to it more and more so each time. And I just thought, well, I want to start my career and the earlier, the better. So I did a good few years ago. So I, I work on a, a local radio station here called Flirt FM in well Galway. Done. Well done, well done. And I know John Paul uh, tuned into you yesterday. He said you've got a great talent and John Paul knows his <laughs> talent. So so well done to you. And I know you've been a great advocate on behalf of mental health and speaking up about bullying and trying to get anti-bullying programmes. And you've gone around and you've spoken at schools have you ever gone back to the school where your incident happened to talk? No, it's actually funny you ask me that because I was only really talking about this the other day. Um, I, I pass the school quite regularly, but I've never actually went into the grounds because the day I went in to clear out my locker was the last time. It was a couple of days after the, the meeting of when my dad had uh, and my pa- or my parents and me were in talking to the principal and when he made that comment I, I cleared it out and I said I'm never coming back into this building ever again I wanted to see it demolished I, I had that so much hatred for one place um, after what had happened so um, I, I've done school talks um, well with thanks to COVID it's been all online uh, I haven't actually ventured out into schools physically yet but hopefully when it comes to doing mental health talks in the future I can get to go and visit the schools properly but it's amazing to hear some of the stories of people coming forward uh, and and kind of expressing themselves a bit more once they kind of hear someone's relatable story and that's kind of why I well I didn't know it at first but I, I did want to put my story out there in the hope to help others and they can kind of get some sort of relatability to what happened to me and if they're going through something similar to speak up because I was yeah, too late that, to speak up. Is, is, is that your main message, Chris, to anyone listening to this or might listen to the repeat of this or the podcast of this and anyone who is being bullied? You're not, the, you're not at fault here. You need to speak up and call it out for what it is. Yeah, you see, so like, Lord, everyone is going through their, their their stuff, you know, everyone has a problem or whatever, but bullies seem to take their problems out on others because they're either neglected at home or they're trying to be powerful. They're, they're trying to literally undermine everyone and get that up that, prop, or not property ladder, uh, the, the power trip, you know, the popularity ladder is what I should have said. So w- w- when you're, when they're trying to climb that ladder, they're, they're not thinking about others. They're only thinking about themselves. So it's just all about that. And meanwhile, there's people like me that are shy, that are afraid to kind of like mingle at first or whatever the situation. We're, we're the victim of that. So it's nothing that we have done as a victim. You know, if they're, if someone's picking on you, it's not definitely not your fault. Go talk to your parents, talk to your teachers, you know, talk to anyone that's willing to listen or who you feel comfortable with and said, this is what's happening. I'd like to get help. I don't know what to do or something like that. And it will. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It might seem dark and dreary when you're going through all this because it did for me. But my main message is to speak up and don't let the bullies win because they had a massive effect on my life. Sadly, where I was in fear of trusting people for a good few years and I lost my education to a degree, but 
I, I got through it my own way and I'm doing my own kind of path, but it's but just it, but it could don't been, let it the... could it could have been a very different outcome that day at the canal. That's that's what I would most worry about, Chris. Well, this is it. You see, it, when, when you're in those dark places, Patricia, it's just you, you just see red and it's seconds, not minutes, seconds where a reaction can happen. And that's where that's where it is. Like even f- being pushed down the stairs, I could have been killed. I could have broke my yeah, neck. Yeah, yeah. And th- just because someone wanted to be popular, you know, and it's 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 shocking. And even if there's any bullies listening, my message to them as well. Likewise for the victim, if you're not, if you're feeling, you know, out of place or if you're feeling rough in yourself, if there's something going on at home and you, you're afraid to talk out with your friends, talk to a teacher, talk to anyone you're comfortable with, you know, get help yourself. Yeah, speak because up, speak it, up. Uh, a lot of people yeah. uh, listening uh, to you this morning, uh, Chris, and speaking about your incredible braveness in sharing it. Nicola Infidown says, heartbreaking, Patricia. Uh, what a brave, strong young man Chris is. It actually brings t- tears to my eyes listening to his story this morning. I really hope his story helps so many other young people to have strength to talk about their problems and prompt the bullies to think about the impact of their actions. Thank you and well done, Chris, says uh, oh, thank Nicola. You. Thank you. And someone else says, Patricia, listening to Chris, oh, that awful bullying story. I really hope he's okay now and getting on with his life. God, it's frightening to think what he went through. I hope anyone being bullied will confide in someone. And that's uh, that's from Mags, who says, best of luck to uh, Chris. And that's just some of the many texts coming in, just you know, saying, well done to you for sharing the story. You will definitely help other people and uh, to stay to stay strong and. A couple of people asking a question that I was going to ask. The bullies themselves, Chris, you're all adults now. Do you ever come across them in your day-to-day life? Yes, I do. Um, one in particularly mostly um, because they live kind of in the neighbourhood area. Um, but uh, in, a, in a way, I'm glad to say this, but in another way I'm not. Um, I The life he's now living, it's a life of in and out of jail because of theft. Uh, drugs and stuff like that. I've heard many stories. I don't know if they're all true, but he isn't out of jail. I know that for a fact. So it's it's sad to think that that's the life he's gone down. But to me, I'm not surprised either because if he was willing to cause trouble all the time and, and be around maybe people himself that's just attracted him to it, then it's kind of his own it's his own life to screw up, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. And well, you've got your life back on track. We wish you luck with your programme. Chris Sherlock on the wireless podcast as well. You have haven't you a podcast? That's correct. Yeah. 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 So okay. uh, all the interviews from the show uh, with with signed artists and unsigned artists. I do an all Irish so, show where I feature the Irish music and wh- whether you're a comedian or a singer or a musician, uh, actor, well, you're, you're welcome on the show well and we'll done. chat about whatever it is you're involved well in and, and we'll you're, you're a great, plug it. You're a great ambassador for Mental Health uh, Ireland. Uh, Chris, stay safe and stay strong and thank you for joining us on the programme. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Patricia. My pleasure as well. Thank good, you very much. Good morning to you, Chris Sherlock. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. As I mentioned when I started my chat with uh, Chris Sherlock about uh, bullying and mental health, it's all to do with our coverage of Movember, which highlights issues around men's mental and physical health. But of course, Movember is also about mental 
many men around the country attempting to grow moustaches. And one of them is our own Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Colm Kelleher, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Colm. Good morning, Patricia. Now, have you ever grown a moustache before? Never in my life. <laughs> How is the current one coming along? Um, I've been told I look like either Dinny from Glenrow or Pat Short. Actually, John Paul has just handed me a photograph of you. You're doing, um, I'm not going to say who you look like, but you're doing remarkably well. You've got a kind of a 70s vibe going on there with that moustache, haven't you? I do. And um, look, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that uh, I'm not going to go to you because the bottom of my chin is all grey. <laughs> <laughs> and is it true when you when the, the moustache is fully grown? Because is it still growing? Is it? I don't know how you grow it a moustache. It's still growing. It is. It's still growing. Uh, and is it true you're thinking of dyeing it a different colour at the end of the month? I will. I will. Uh, so I've set a target of um, a thousand euros. I think I'm about seven, eight hundred euros at the moment. Okay. Um, if I hit my target, uh, I'll say blue for one day at the end of the month. Um, but I'm hoping that I'll exceed that so I can dye it red. Um, not to mention any political aspersions, but blue wouldn't be my part. Uh, <laughs> and, and if you dyed red, will you leave it red for Christmas? Uh, no, no, only one day only. I can't, I can't wait to get rid of this thing, to be honest with you. What? But it's for a good cause. Yeah. Is it itchy? It is. Is it? it is. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. spoke with uh, a brother of mine who has a full beard and he says, he handed me a bottle of beard oil last night and he said, put that on it down. It seems to have calmed it down. Great, great stuff, great stuff. <laughs> well, you're looking good. Well well done to you. How can people donate to your Movember campaign? Yeah, well, um, all my social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, we're currently formulating a kind of um, social media campaign on Cork City Council's social media platforms as well. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll be doing stuff with staff. There's other members of staff in City Hall that have taken up the challenge as well. But look, it's all about wearing awareness for men's mental health. Um, November started a number of years ago, primarily for testicular cancer and prostate cancer in men. Um, they've kind of expanded their, I suppose, um, their causes now and to do with me- mental health because we all see, um, you know, mental health issues every day of the week and being a man, um, I heard one figure there noted yesterday that 60% of men don't tell people how yep. they're feeling. Um, the we bottle it up and we just play the macho man card, you know. And that's why this November campaign is uh, so important. We wish you luck with it. We're only halfway through the month and you're well over halfway through your fundraising uh, target. Well, I'd, ask, I'd ask the listeners of Cork now to please donate. So yeah, because we want to see that beard red, uh, that moustache red. Listen, Colin, best of luck with it and thanks a million. God bless. Thank bye, you. bye, bye, bye. That is uh, the Lord Mayor of Cork along with his moustache, Councillor uh, Colin uh, Kelleher. A uh, quick break and Unfortunately, we'll be a little bit late going to news at 11. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Court Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. For I'll go get to your comments, uh, people reacting to my interview with Chris Sherlock and his bullying story. I'll get to those comments in a moment, but I want to go to our court reporter, uh, Mairead Tuhik, who was in court in Formoy this morning, where a 27-year-old man has been remanded in custody. Uh, good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. Now, this is to do with the assault and the attempted robbery of the woman who was out walking her dog on Sunday evening last. 
Absolutely, yeah. It happened in the St. Coleman's Park area of Fermoy. So Vadim Vestes, the 27-year-old man, uh, he's been remanded in custody after he was charged in connection with, as you said there, Patricia, an assault and attempted robbery that happened in Fermoy last Sunday. It happened around 6.45pm on Sunday evening and the injured party, a woman in her 50s, uh, was out walking her dog. Now, uh, Vadim Vestes faces two charges. It's with assault causing harm and sexual assault and both of those on, on the same date, which was Sunday, November 7th. And as I say, it happened in St. Coleman's Park in Fermoy. Um, the victim was attacked and, and assaulted. And as I say, she was out walking her dog. Two other walkers who were there at the time heard cries for help and uh, the attacker fled the scene. Now, the court was told that Vadim Veste has dual citizenship in Moldova and in Romania and uh, he arrived to Cork last December. He was arrested on Tuesday and he was questioned at Fermoy Garda Station. Um, Detective Garda David Barry was in court today and he told the court that a DNA that was recovered from under the injured party's fingernails matches that of Vadim Veste. So he went through what uh, Mr Veste, the, the alleged um, attack that happened. It's alleged that Mr Veste pulled the injured party to the ground from behind uh, by placing his hands over her shoulder and her mouth and pulling her into a dark part of the area and he punched her face. He held her on the ground and he kneeled on her and um, there was a woolly item they're presuming a hat um, w- was placed into her mouth and she was then sexually assaulted and uh, the injured party fought back and, and kicked out and scrope um, a scrope along uh, Mr Veste and that's where that DNA evidence has come from that you know when she scrope and um, and I remember in the, the Garda press release they were saying that the the assailant would have had you know possible marks on uh, on their scratch face. marks, um, yeah, scratch marks, absolutely. So that's what um, is alleged to have happened there on Sunday evening—an absolutely awful um, attack Dreadful. and Dre- the guard- really, really dreadful. Absolutely. Did this guy say so anything the- in court this morning? No, he didn't. Now there was an interpreter in court, so um, everything that was was said in court was repeated via the interpreter to Mr. Vesday. But uh, he didn't, and, and his uh, his legal representative didn't call him uh, to to speak or anything in court. Um, as they say, he's been remanded in custody. So there was a bail application today, and that's kind of what most of the time in court took up about Gardaí outlining their objections to bail. Um, which you know the, there's a there's a, a number of reasons there, um, and and Judge Alec Gabbett remanded him, refused bail, and, and remanded Mr Veste in custody. He's due to appear in Cork District Court uh, next week, next Thursday, the 18th of November for, and that'll be via video link, and that'll be for the DPP's directions. Now there was a, an order in court today uh, that there's uh, the interparty is not to be identified in any way. So back in court. Do we know how? she is or anything um, um so it was said that she's finding it hard to sleep and you know she's God, traumatized following this event you know yeah so, dreadful, as you can dreadful. imagine listen, it's our, so, our, yeah, our thoughts, thoughts yeah our thoughts yeah. are really with her and we hope that she does make a, a full recovery and uh, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on this case and just while we have you on you're having a, a busy week with courts uh, this week Mairead you were Cork Circuit Criminal Court yesterday this was the case involving fraudulent claiming of the pandemic payments to an elaborate case totaling 183,000 euro was taken 
Absolutely, yeah. So, um, so there were there was two men in court. They've both been sent to prison. Um, Alu Wagbuwekeke Lewis of Brookdale in Middleton, and uh, Bashiru Adaribaka, uh, formerly of Dwyer's Road in Middleton, but now living in Ballincollig. So, what happened in this? They secured email addresses of seventy four individuals who were employed by the HSE or Tusla. Now. These recipients of these emails were asked to click on a link and it brought them to a cloned website. Um, it, it appeared to be a Department of Justice website, but it was cloned. And they filled in their personal information because they believed that they were signing up for jury duty. So in that personal information, you know, addresses and PPS numbers. But I suppose the red flag in this, you know, for, for those I suppose, processing PUP claims, these employees wouldn't have been... I suppose, allowed to get PUP because they weren't impacted by COVID that they were still working away. So that kind of raised red flags. But the offences first came to guard the attention on the 6th of November last year in 2020. A guard on patrol, he stopped um, Mr. Lewis in Middleton. Now, he wasn't... um, happy with how Mr Lewis identified himself so his car was searched and passports and bank statements and other names were recovered from his car Um, passports with his picture but different names on them so he was uh, arrested he's a 36 year old father of two so he was arrested now both men including a 45 year old father of five Bashiru Adaribaka they both pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit money laundering uh, but Mr Lewis also entered additional pleas and that was in relation to using a false instrument and one count to being in possession of stolen property which was a, a passport so this um, in this fraud in this scam it, there's a loss to the state still of 120,000 euro so as you said the 183,000 um, some of it has been frozen in bank accounts some of it has been uh, you know found in houses and but there's still a loss to the state of 120,000 euro. It's incredible. And of course, with that information, they would be able to open up bank accounts, make the application for the PUP payment. The PUP payment would go straight into these bank accounts and they'd have access to it uh, immediately. Is it believed, though, that these two guys are not the mastermind behind this plan? Absolutely, yes. So there is evidence suggesting that both of them were assisting a criminal organisation and that they were just lower down in, you know, I suppose in the chain of this organisation because the judge said, you know, there's neither of the men show the trappings of wealth whatsoever. So it's not, it doesn't appear that they benefited in any you know, you to a from this scam, so they're okay. you know living normal lives. All right, but again, and, so it goes back to it goes back to this the, the cyber crime again, and I care for we all have to be about clicking on any link Absolutely. because innocently, while the people involved didn't lose any money directly, the state, so we all end up uh, paying for it one way or another. Listen, Murray, thank you for that, uh, and thank thanks for joining Patricia. us. Uh, good morning to you, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three, and back to some of your comments coming in. Particularly in relation to Chris Sherlock, who joined us talking about his bullying story and the amount of people calling him out for his bravery. And he is exceptionally brave. And actually, he just wants to let people know that his story is contained in a book. It's the Mental Health for Millennials. And his his story features in volume four. And if people want to read more about Chris's story, you can go to bookhubpublishing.com. And it's Mental Health for Millennials. And he is volume four. Don says, I went through something very similar to what Chris outlined on the programme this morning. My issue was that I wasn't the biggest person in the world. I was quite slight, very thin 
And for that reason, I seem to be targeted and the bullies uh, picked on me because I was a lightweight. I wasn't able, I wasn't that good. I wasn't able to perform sports that well, uh, Don uh, told us. And the bullies would pick up on that. And particularly when they were out on the pitch playing a match, if there was a tackle, they'd make sure that poor little thin Don would be in the mix of it just so that they could really hurt him while on the pitch. Isn't that just beyond cruel? Thankfully, though, says Don, my school picked up on what was happening, but it actually took a new principal coming into the school to act. It all calmed down then, but it really does depend on the people in charge and ultimately the person running the school, i.e. the principal. Thank you for that, uh, Don, and good to know that you got over it and, and that you were OK. And someone else says, you know, I'm so mad listening to that lovely man, Chris, telling his story of being bullied. But what I'm really cross about is the remark that the principal made saying, oh, it's just your first year at beating. This is going on in so many schools and there's nothing been done to help the victims of the bullying uh, I know I know there are some teachers who just want to protect the school. And I've you know, I've heard that before as well when it comes to I remember one particular school hearing of a number of cases, it was a girls' school, and a number of cases of bullying had been identified with parents going into the school and actually naming the person who was doing the bullying and the group of girls that was doing the bullying and nothing was being done about it and in so many cases the girls who were being bullied the victims left the school and moved to another school and the school's attitude seemed to be oh we don't have that kind of thing going on in this school and it was almost like if they called it out for what it was the school would get a bad reputation. Now, I would hate to think that that's happening in many other schools, but for sure, many years ago, I did hear it happening at one uh, girls' school. Uh, Mary says, what memories that man, Chris, has unearthed in my head, listening to him talk about being bullied at uh, school. I was in national school. It was in mid-Cork and I remember a boy in sixth class bullied me really badly. I was only in junior infants at the time and I remember he particularly used to pick on me when we were walking home from school. One instance I clearly remember was where he was trying to get me to walk into dog poo. What a sad time in my life. I've actually buried it to the back of my mind and it was just came back. The memories came flooding back listening to Chris speak and that happens You'll, you'll find that when somebody will speak about something it'll trigger a memory uh, which means which means all of us we, we don't deal with it we kind of just put a lid on it and hope that it will disappear and of course sadly it doesn't always just go away sometimes you really do have to deal uh, with it uh, Hi Patricia lovely to listen to Chris this morning can I wish the best of luck to him going forward how I would love to catch those thugs and those people that were involved in the bullying I would toss them in the river if I got a chance uh, says uh, Teresa and the girls in Mallow said feel so sorry listening to Chris tell his story uh, this morning none of those lads would have been laughing if sadly Chris had taken his life that time God help him can we wish him the best of luck going uh, forward and we wish nothing but goodness for him for the rest of his uh, life. Mary says, Patricia, on the issue of bullying, my daughter was bullied in primary school by two teachers. God. She's a 40-year-old woman now, but I'll never forget what those te- teachers did and what they put my daughters through. 
I hope they go to hell and not heaven, says uh, Mary. It took 20 years for my daughter to get over what was done with her. And that bullying started when she was only six years of age. God, isn't that scary to think that teachers can be involved in bullying as well. And Michael says, Patricia, bullying. It's something that is there since time immemorial. Sad to say that today it appears to be at an all time high, especially within our young people. It's rampant in the workplace. As a matter of fact, it's rampant in all walks of life. A lot of what comes from people in senior positions, a lot of it comes from people in senior positions, those who are really gone past their sell by date, but simply won't accept it. Our youth are getting a severe hammering at the moment. Look at politics. The drain of young politicians calling it a day is frightening and a lot of that is down to bullying from the ordinary person who wouldn't even dream to put their name on a ballot paper. If we haven't new blood coming into politics we might as well call it a day as far as a country. This is happening in young men and women and especially women in politics. They're getting one hell of a hard time which is shameful. I really hope that our current Minister for Justice Helen McEntee We'll take a very close look at what is a very serious matter. Bullying should be condemned from every single angle. And those who are proven to be ring leaders should be named and shamed. How right you are. Uh, And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, Michael, and hope you are keeping well. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. An office administrator is wanted. This is a full-time position. It's in the uh, Killavollen area. CVs, please, to info at biogoldagri.ie. General operatives wanted for an animal feed production facility. That's in Little Island. CVs to carry.murphy at osborne.ie. Clonakilty Credit Union. They've got a vacancy for a clerical officer stroke teller. Email anthony at clonakiltycreditunion.ie and the Quality Hotel also in Clonakilty have a vacancy for a full-time bar person CVs and a cover letter to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie and that's how our job link looks today you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, the Bantry Business Association are raising their concerns following a caravan going on fire this week at a halting site in the town. Joining me to share their concerns is Daniela Delaney, who is with the Bantry Business Association. Good morning to you, Daniela. Good morning, how are you? And I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. OK, take Thank me you. back and can you outline what happened? I believe it was on Tuesday night. On Tuesday night, yes. Um, there was one of the mobile homes in the halting site burned to the ground, basically. So basically we're raising the issue as to whether the site is safe. Is it safe for the families that are living there and for the adjoining businesses that are in the area? So it's, I know it's something I'm new to this, Business associations are something that they have been raising with Cork County Council, with Dublin County Hall for quite some time. Just that's just to check that the site is safe, that it's fit for habitation, and that it's not going to be a danger to those that are living there and those that are working around the area. Now, thankfully, nobody was was injured. No. But your fear is that somebody could have been badly injured, or even worse. It's I didn't. See the fire, obviously, I was sent a video of it afterwards and it was terrifying looking. 
I can't imagine what it was like for the family to watch their home burn down like that. But someone could have been badly injured. And God knows we've known from up the country what has happened in other yeah. halting sites and, and nobody nobody wants that. OK, yeah. talk to me. And, and I'm very conscious of people outside of the area who don't know where this halting site uh, is. Just talk to me a little bit about it and just explain to listeners where it is and how long it's actually been there. So it's a temporary halting site, but it's been in use for over 20 years. So like the families that are living there, they've been part of our community for well over 20 years. They've grown up here, their families here. They use local businesses and they go to local schools. But it's on the water and it's between our... There's a new super valley that was built next door. It's a fairly small site. And on the other side, then, we have our local voluntary lifeboat as their headquarters there. And there's also offices for Zenith Energy. So they run the oil terminal on the island. How many people do you believe live live in that halting site or do you know? I don't know. No. That's not something I can comment on. How many mobile homes? Uh, three at the moment, I believe. Three and there one, was one, one of them burnt down. Oh yes, oh sorry, three including one the one burnt. that burnt down. Okay, stay there because I want to bring in uh, Banshee-based councillor uh, Danny Collins uh, who was on the other line. Good morning to you, Danny. Morning, Patricia. Uh, morning to your listeners. Good morning to Danielle. Now, Danielle pointed out that this is a temporary halting site. How can something that's been in use for over 20 years be deemed a temporary? temporary? I know, yes, I totally agree. And I have risen it with um, Cork County Council at both a planning level and and at the housing level that the residents that live on this halting site. Another site should be um, found for them. And I'm getting no answers basically from Cork County Council. Have the council looked for or identified a suitable site for a permanent halting site for these families over that I, twenty odd years? Well, if they have, they've never they've never um, notified me that they have. But like something has to be done here. Like as Danielle said, there is a major health and safety issue here. Um, look, it was look at God. Thank God there was no one injured here at this fire. But like it could have been something like you know what happened above in Carrick Mines back in. Was it 2015, yeah. where there was 10 people killed at, at the fire? So, look, something has to be done. Like, uh, like I don't want to be reiterating what, what uh, Danielle said. We have a local supermarket on one side, and we have the, the lifeboat at the other side. And, like, you know, this is not the site that where, um, where the halting site should it's, be. It was, it was never ideal, from even when it started out as, as a temporary halting site. And I'm right in saying, Danny that there isn't there money from central government to facilitate councils putting up halting sites and erecting there, halting yes, sites? Um, there, there, what you call it, there is legislation there, I believe, that um, each town over such a population needs to have a, um, a permanent um, halting site, which Bantry doesn't have. And like this is like this has been going on, I think, for well over 20 years, it's 20, 25 years, I'd say. And uh, like... Something should be done now, really, uh, but especially what happened after Tuesday night. Yeah, and it I mean, only I'd... waiting to happen. It's only, it's only waiting to happen. To be quite honest, like it's a very small site. There's um, there was three mobile homes inside here. Now there's two, but like you know, something should be looked at, and I will be addressing it with the both the chief executive and our. Um, County manager about it as well. Now I don't. I don't know the families that are involved, but do you know? Would have the families ever been offered housing? Would they like to move into housing rather than living? Or is um, it is yes. it a halting site that they're looking for? 
Um, they have been offered housing, I believe. Um, yes, um, they, they have lived in houses and moved out. I think for, for some reason. But um, look, it's, I their houses we have have been offered to these families. But of course, we know within the travelling community, they don't always want to live in houses. They prefer to live in halting sites. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Daniela, as a business association, what what do you believe needs to be done now? Well, our main concern is safety. It's safety for the people on the site, safety for the people in the businesses around it, and safety for the people of the town. Like, if the site is unsafe, it needs to be made safer, or a, temp- a permanent solution needs to be found. Like we said, it's something that's ongoing with years. Yeah. So if, if the family are remaining on that site, then... It can't be a temporary site. Something permanent needs to be found. Well, something that's nearly 25 years, I certainly think, cannot be deemed uh, temporary. Do you have any indications to where the family that were in the mobile home were there now living? I don't know. No. All right, OK. And we've no uh, contact. I know we were trying to find see if we could get a contact uh, for the family, but uh, we didn't. We haven't managed to get one because um, I'd, I'd love to speak with them to see how they are uh, getting on. And Danielle, I mean, we're in the, the lead up to Christmas. Uh, uh, is Bantry starting to get busy? Is it starting to feel festive? Are people out and about? It is. We're, we're getting there. But like our, our main issue was what happened on Tuesday was that was scary to look at. I know. Never mind it actually being your home. Yeah. So okay. if that site isn't up to scratch, what are County Hall going to do about it? Okay. And Danny, will you revert back to us when you hear from the executive if you can get any updates I, on this? I will, of course. Okay. I, but like I must also state here, I must thank the emergency services, the fire crew, the guards. They were there within minutes um, of the exactly. fire attack when they were alerted. And like, you know, fair play to them. And look, thank God there was no one badly injured. And... Um, also, I'd like to congratulate Danielle. She's a new chairperson of Bantry Business Association and I wish her best for the coming year. OK, I didn't realise you were chair, Danielle. Congratulations. OK, listen. And brand new. Uh, brand new. <laughs> as Danny said, we just want to yeah, I listen, and, and the fire brigade and yeah. our local council for all they're trying to do. It's, yeah, it's a matter of four city hall to deal with. And well done, well done for highlighting it and trying to and trying to keep the families that are living there as safe as possible. Uh, we we'll leave it there, folks. Thank you for that, and thank you both for joining us on the program. Thank you, Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Danielle Delaney, chairperson of the Bantry Business Association and uh, also on the line, uh, Bantry-based West Cork uh, councillor, independent councillor, Danny Collins. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Going to Fomoy Guard the station for this week's Guard the Five, where I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Patricia, thanks uh, for having me. Oh, and you're very welcome uh, to, to the programme. And I know we don't comment on cases, but well done to the Fomoy Gardaí. And I know there was uh, a court case this morning for that case of that uh, woman who was um, attacked while out walking her dog. So well done to the to the Gardaí for their work there. But let us move to a burglary that happened in Mallow. It was at a takeaway. In Mallow, that's correct, Patricia, uh, last Sunday. And in this particular case, uh, I suppose about 10 o'clock that night, uh, door at the back of the takeaway take away with a jar. person entered. Uh, they stole an iPhone 12. Now, luckily, there was CCTV in that area, which was quite good. And 
quite uh, quickly a suspect was identified um, and the Gardaí uh, searched the house and uh, the property was recovered. Um, so I suppose just to show that CCTV, I mean, it can have great evidential value in cases in cases like this, you know. Yeah, and the thing uh, is with businesses, because of COVID and ventilation, businesses are leaving doors and windows open to yes. allow for good ventilation in order to protect their staff. But the Quite knock-on correct. effect of that is it's an open door to a criminal. Correct. So yeah. any any anything that, that you can nail down, you better nail down, you know, because as I say, it, it is causing uh, a problem in respects like that, you know, so just for people to keep it at the back of their mind and make sure that uh, staff belongings are not kept in areas where they can be easily accessed. Um, so for people to be very, very much aware of that. Yeah, lock things away in a cupboard or, or, or whatever, but good to know the CCTV uh, worked. We've often spoken about being careful with the keys to your car because that again is an open invitation for somebody to drive off with your car and something similar happened in Dramina. Yes, uh, it happened uh, the injured party had a window break in, uh, at uh, around 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, it was around 6 by the time he just thought uh, he hadn't realised what it had been. But uh, it turned out anyway to be a shed next door. But the keys of, of a car were inside there and the car was subsequently taken. You know, so for people to be aware of stuff like that, you know. So that was on Saturday last in, in Dramina. If anybody's uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, if anyone saw unusual activity in the Dramina area, um, I don't have particulars of the, of, of the car involved. But uh, if they saw an unusual activity, you know, uh, Gary at Mallow would, would welcome a call. And from Jermina to Charleville and the building of a new estate and garden panels were stolen. Uh, yeah, unusual theft. But then again, building estates and even houses on their own that are being built, you know, can be targeted. In this particular case, you know, uh, there were 10 garden panels. Now, you can imagine they're quite large. Um, you know, you'll be talking about probably six foot by six foot. Uh, total total value in in around fifteen hundred euros. Um, they were taken from a building site at the Pastures Love Lane. Um, now they were taken between seven o'clock on uh, Monday, Monday the eighth, Monday just gone, and eight o'clock on on the on the Tuesday morning. You know, so we'd ask for anyone that saw any activity like that, um, if if they wouldn't mind contacting the Gardaí at Mallow. That's 0222-1105. People need to be very careful about parcels left on doorsteps by couriers. Yeah, coming up to Christmas, and I, you know, there's a lot of online shopping going on. And whilst we'd hope that, you know, the majority of people will try and do their shopping on, on our main streets and keep our businesses open, you know, naturally there are items that they cannot get and they have to get with parcels. But it could be a case of that some of the criminals, uh, we have seen a previously, you know, but I mean the next month and a half, six weeks in particular, you know, there's going to be a lot of parcels maybe left uh, left for people, you know. Now in this case we believe a white BW Golf, a 171W uh, registration may have no, I said may it, it may have been following uh, one of the delivery events, but in this case it was a parcel taken from a house in Connacht. So we'd uh, you know, just say to people, just have a particular uh, kind of policy in place yourself you know to be fair the drivers are uh, great they, they you know at this stage it's the regular drivers on regular routes and they know who will uh, if, if, the, if the person at number 10 is out that the person at number 12 or a friend of theirs at number 12 will, will take, take them the yeah 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 so just make sure that you have arrangements in place uh, you know and just keep away keep a window eye open um, as well 
for situations such as I described there. Yeah, and if anybody spots somebody doing that, because it's very obvious if a car pulls up, runs in, lifts whatever's on the doorstep and straight back out into the car to try and get details of the car, just keep an, keep an eye out for that. We all have our phones with us, get a quick photograph yes, of the correct. car registration place. Now, fraudulent texts, unfortunately, John, on the increase again, this time claiming to be from the banks. Yeah, to plenty of them. So, look, the, the main thing I'd say is if you get a text, uh, you know, and in some cases, you, you know, in three or four of the cases were involved, it seemed to be coming in on, on uh, a thread that they had previously got, uh, you, you know, text from their bank, you know. So, look, I, do, I don't care what bank you're, you're with, but if you get a text uh, purporting to be from your bank, ignore it. Don't ignore the letters. Ignore the text. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't you know, click on anything yeah, and you know if you, if you need to contact yeah. your bank contact them to a telephone number that you exactly. know is actually the bank not a telephone it, number that's in a link yeah there's, there seems to be quite an amount of it happening again at the moment you know in some cases now to be fair uh, some cases are uh, the people are reporting that uh, they've never or they, or they haven't responded to a text you know but, uh, but that money had been taken from their account um, obviously the bank uh, the, their fraud people are honest, uh, you know, and uh, they have been obviously told to, told to report it. But yeah, and the fraud, in fairness to the gang and the banks, they're they're doing their best, and they they really Absolutely. are bringing their A game. I mean, I've heard of so many people now have been contacted by their bank uh, because there's been fraudulent activity that they weren't aware of, and it was the bank that spotted it. Exactly. Yeah. So they are paying a lot of attention now to to what's going through accounts, you know. So, but for people to be very, very much aware of it, another thing that they need to be very much aware of at the moment, and you just mentioned photographing the, uh, say, as regards taking a photograph, maybe of 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 the of the of the parcel being delivered and somebody collecting it who shouldn't be. You know, we have the same problem with uh, the, the the boys that are calling door to door now, uh, wanting to do roof repairs. Quite an amount of it out there at the moment. Uh, in all shapes and sizes, different vans. I mean, uh, depending on the day you meet them, <laughs> they're going to have a different company name, you know. So for uh, an off-duty guard now, uh, there only 10 days ago, saw them calling door-to-door in uh, Knockerberry Estate there, and you're all looking for jobs, cleaning of gutters, patios, etc. the usual thing, offering free quotations, you know, different leaflets in the van, you know. So look for people to be very much aware of it. Be very much aware of them targeting elderly, vulnerable people in the area as well. And particularly people who you know have been caught previously in the past. You know, keep a weather eye open for them. Uh, you know, if you see any activity going on there, if you see work being done, uh, roofs, painting, etc., you know, get, you know, ring a relative, get a relative, call around indeed. Uh, you know, maybe even call yourself and just inquire to know kind of what's going on. If you have suspicions, obviously ring the local guard station and advise them, you know. Yeah, because and I, yeah, cause I mentioned this earlier on in the week, as I know in Cork City, they, they nabbed somebody that they believe was involved in this kind of activity. But I made the point that some people, when they get duped by these rogue traders, are afraid to report it. Correct. Because they're embarrassed. It's important, isn't it, for, for you and members of the Guides Corner that you know what's going on? It's very important. It's very important. And I like to be fair, we may not, you know, I'm quite sure we don't know the true scale of it, you know, that a lot of people would be embarrassed, but they'd be embarrassed maybe that their friends or relatives or whoever would hear about it as well, you know. Yeah. But I mean, the, like, obviously, we have a, an operation running for, based out of Cork City the whole time. Um, targeting those people, you know, and um, like we have been successful with them in the past. Uh, 
seizing cash, freezing bank accounts, uh, expensive cars, watches, and all. But you, you know that back out. I mean, that's what they that's what they do, and they're going to be back out. And they uh, once lockdowns were over, they were one of the first to appear to appear back on the road. And for people, people to be very much aware of it. If you have a job that needs doing on the roofing, there seems at the moment to be a predominance of them out there uh, involved in offering roofing services. Yeah, you see, I think so, that's because it's the time of the year, and they're they're putting the frighteners on people by saying, "Oh, you have a dodgy shoot there, or there's something yeah. wrong there, and if you don't get that fixed, and there's a bad storm, it'll take the roof down." You know, they're good at what they do in selling their their wares. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you, what I say to people: clear them. Don't entertain them. Clear them straight away. Yeah. Get rid of them. And there's no genuine business a business or tradesperson is calling to your door simply because they're too busy at the moment. They wouldn't have the time to be calling to people's doors touting for business because they're so busy. That's the, the problem is that, you know, the legitimate guy, you won't have to wait maybe yeah, yeah, uh, a couple yeah. of days yeah, you know, exactly. for, them the, for them at the moment. And the trading on that as well, yeah. you know. So for people to be very, very uh, aware and just don't think, you know, that if, if you Google something and the first name comes up, you know, you need to do due diligence. Because those people are well aware, you know, they'll advertise now on, uh, they're paying the fees on Google and everything else to, to advertise as well, you know. So They look legit. Those, Word yeah. of mouth. So just make sure you yeah. look at, check them out. Word of mouth is the best one. Word of mouth is the best thing, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. know somebody who's already got a job done, they're happy with what they've done, get them. If well it's done. somebody from, from from your area and they've got a, got a good name, you know, they're the ones to get. Okay. Well, sound advice as always, John. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you very us. much, uh, Patricia. Uh, good you. morning to you. That is Sergeant John Kelly from Fomoygar the station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Uh, people listening to Sergeant John Kelly in the last hour talking about the rogue traders and there seems to be a proliferation of them at the moment, particularly people calling to you, cold calling to your door, offering you work to be done on your roof and guttering, etc. You need to be so, so uh, careful. Somebody uh, by texting, it is so important that neighbours call in on other neighbours. We've had a strange van at our house and uh, nervous about that and nervous about other neighbours and particularly if you've got vulnerable neighbours, if you know there's an elderly person living on the own and you see them engaging with any of these trades people who are just calling to the door just check in and make sure that everything is uh, okay and if you can get details of the van that's very important for the Gardaí and Jim says I came up with a great way of putting co- these cold callers who turn up, your, uh, up at your door a great way to get rid of them says Jim I don't open the front door I just open the window a little bit and I ask them well what can I help you with what are you up to and I'd one lately saying can you come to the door please and I said no no I can't he started getting very annoyed trying to explain to me through a little opened window uh, he starts to explain I've got a power washer let me demonstrate how clean your driveway will be if you let me do uh, the work. If you come to the door, he says, I can show you photographs of a driveway we did. Thank you, says Jim. My driveway is fine. Goodbye. And he closed the window. <laughs> and uh, so he doesn't, doesn't open the door at all. Actually, I heard of somebody else doing something similar, didn't even open the window, Jim, and shouted out as, <laughs> as loudly as they could. Can't open the door. There's COVID in the house. And this, she said she should have seen the guy running off, hopping into the van. And he was gone very quickly indeed. Yeah, don't engage. That is so important because it's when you engage them, they can be really silver-tongued salespeople and they really can persuade you that they are legit and they'll have very fancy 
artwork done up on leaflets and they'll look like a legitimate company. Their vans might have a name put across the side of it. But of course, it's so easy to get that kind of work done today uh, to make them look like they're legit. And of course, in many cases, uh, they're not. And then Eileen was listening to our news uh, story about that 27-year-old, I think it's Moldovian slash Romanian man who has been charged with the attack on that poor woman in Formoy. And we're all thinking of that poor woman in Formoy last uh, Sunday while out walking her dog. Uh, Eileen said, it's no wonder that the dog wasn't a threat. To that, but you see, it might have been a small little dog. I don't know what kind of a dog uh, the woman had. Uh, Eileen said, I hope that that woman fully recovers and that he gets what he deserves. And that if, if, he, is, if he is found uh, guilty, that he'll be deported back to his own country. And actually, thank you for that, Eileen. Somebody else is making a similar point. John in Carrigaline uh, was listening to Moradi in her report and just talking about the the emigrants that were involved both in the case today, non-nationals and the ones that were involved in the case yesterday with the pop, uh, the fraudulent pop uh, cases and, and John in Carrigaline says, has anybody else noticed that there does seem to be a number of foreign nationals who are ending up through the courts involved either in fraud or blackguarding Jim, John in Carrigaline thinks it's unreal at the moment the amount of these cases that we're reading about in the papers or hearing about on the news and then he said the cost to this country uh, is a joke in keeping them in jail because the two guys yesterday, I think one got three and a half years and one got uh, four four years and that of course comes as an expense to the state. John reckons if any of the non-nationals are found guilty of any kind of crime they should be deported immediately. He says we're too much of a soft touch in this country. 1850 and still getting in a lot of commentary and a lot of people reacting to Chris Sherlock who joined us earlier this morning talking about his bullying story and it really was a powerful, powerful story that he has to tell and it's I mean, he's getting his life back on track now, which is terrific. And hopefully he'll have a great career in media. He's working in radio at the moment and he'd love to ultimately work in uh, TV. And please God, he's well. He will. But to think that he lost his entire secondary school education because of bullying and the effect that the bullying had on him. And of course, as he outlined earlier today, it could have been worse. The bullies actually, his life could have been taken because of it and, and he's so lucky that he's still with us today and what a great advocate he is for anti-bullying campaigns Hi Patricia, this is a Donnerail uh, listener, I'm now in my 60s, I was bullied by a teacher in primary school, I've never forgotten how small she made me feel in front of the class, isn't that just, yeah, and those that kind of thing can stay with you. It's just, it's to learn to get over it and you learn to live with it and no doubt you have learned to, to live with it. But it can still hurt when you think back on it and when you can be brought back to that moment where you were a small little child in a classroom and either bullied by another classmate or in that case bullied by a teacher. Hope you're doing okay uh, today. Uh, Judy says, hi Patricia. I was very emotional listening to Chris on the programme this morning. As a quiet academic girl, I too was bullied at school. Bullying started again at work under two female bosses. Finally, I stood up for myself and it actually stopped. More recently, my son was bullied and he was only in junior infants. Some boys were trying to pull his arms off and it was happening on a daily basis. The teacher, when I mentioned it, called it the rough and tumble of being in the classroom, refusing to intervene. I persisted with her until it stopped. 
thankfully he's come through it uh, stronger but we need to turn the light on bullying it is simply not okay says Judy and you know and how right you are and to think of a little boy in junior infants and actually Judy when I was reading your text it reminded me of my own son David when he was in junior infants David was always a big lad he was always you know bigger for his age he always looked older than what he was so when he started in junior infants he would have been one of the tallest in the class and of course typical of the tallest in the class he befriended the smallest little lad a little boy called uh, Ian who was a tiny little slip a little angelic little boy he was gorgeous and of course the two of them would walk out of school together and myself I got friendly with his mum and we used to smile watching the two of them walking out anyway it turned out that Ian was being picked on and bullied by another boy in the class now this is their junior infant children when you think about it and his mum started telling me what was happening so I spoke to my son David about it and David said yeah he was aware that this other boy was picking a lot on Ian when they were having their small break or when they were in the lean going to the toilet when the teacher wasn't looking kind of thing so of course I had the chat with my son and said, you know, Ian is your friend. You need to stand up for him and tell that bully that it's wrong, that he shouldn't be doing that and that you're his friend and you're Ian's friend and you'll always stand up for Ian. So that was grand. I had the chat and I told Ian's mother what I had done and she said, great, maybe he'll be able to help because she'd been in to the classroom a few times and mentioned it to the teacher what was going on but nothing, the teacher was, oh yeah, I'll keep an eye on it but nothing really was happening. But I remember standing outside the school to collect uh, David and of course the classroom door opened and they all filed out in the line and David wasn't in the line and the teacher called me in and I could see him sitting inside at one of the little desks and when I went in I could see his big tears in his eyes I said oh god what's going on here and the teacher explained that there had been an incident in the classroom that morning so I said okay and she said they were in the lean for the toilet and when she turned around my David had the other the other child who was also called David by the way up against the wall and he was holding him by the tie and of course the teacher had to immediately intervene and stop it and blah 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 and then I said David what were you doing and he burst into tears and said I was sticking up for Ian you told me to stick up for Ian so he'd held this boy by the tie and said you're not to pick on Ian Ian is my friend so I then explained to the teacher that's partially my fault I told David he was to intervene I didn't mean it in the way he had intervened uh, but I said that that David would apologise and he did and all of that but you know something the bullying actually ended and that other lad David by the time they went into senior infants was actually part of their little crew and they were all friends but it got nipped in the bud I'm not saying that what my son did was, was right but it stopped the bullies and it was something afterwards and we still talk about it today when I remind David of that story he went throughout his primary school and secondary school always standing up for other people and it was something it's, it's, it's something I'm very proud of in him and it's something I've always instilled in him you call something out that is wrong and that's what we need other children to do we need other children and it's, it's not always an easy thing to do because everyone wants to be part of the cool gang everybody wants to be in no Nobody wants the bully to turn on them. And it's the same with teachers. It's, it's for other children as, to be as brave as they can and to call it out. As I say, it's not always uh, easy. But Judy, listen, sorry I digress. Glad to know that your, your little lad is doing OK now and hopefully the bullying has uh, come to an end. Also on uh, bullying. Hi, uh, Patricia. This is um, an, 
Mum, hi, I was told my son had to toughen up when he was being bullied. He was too sensitive, I was told. It's like we were the problem. The school even suggested at one stage when the bullying was going on that my son maybe needed to do some social training as maybe he was drawing it on himself. My son had a lovely bunch of friends and every time we reported the bullying we were told, Usher, the guy didn't didn't mean it. This year he's not in his class and I'm delighted with all the COVID and the different hubs in the yard. Each class are separated. I'm now hoping and praying that he won't be going to the new secondary school next year. I told my son to simply ignore this other lad. Don't be in his company. He was actually tearing him around the yard last year to the point one day he ripped the arm off my son's coat. I told my son to tell the teacher every time it happened and he was at that age that he was able to speak up. I ended up then getting a call about the bully Uh, who was upset because my son wasn't speaking to him and was ignoring him and that I should tell my son that that's not a nice and a kind thing to do, that he shouldn't be ignoring another lad. I said, my son is not the problem here. I've always taught my son to be kind and to be respectful and in every report that he's had from school, they always say what great empathy my son has, how helpful and well-mannered he is. I said, no, he won't apologise. He won't start speaking to these, this other lad. He has forgiven him too many times. That ship has sailed. I want him away from my son. That's what I believe we need uh, to do. Uh, there you go. My son is my son ends up being the problem, i.e. it's get on with it, toughen up and there's no problem at all. Yeah, it does seem to be the way some schools and some teachers seem to handle situations because Pat contacted us when we started talking about bullying to say that he was listening to the conversation that I was having with Chris. And Chris mentioned at one stage that he wasn't into sports and that he thought maybe that that was the start of the reason that the bullying happened, that he stood out a little bit because maybe he was in school, you know, a lot of sports going on. And because he wasn't into sports, he he stood out uh, somewhat. Pat says, I feel the teachers and the principals are to blame and they really need to stand up and face up to bullying. And can I say now before people think everyone were picking on teachers and, and principals, there are some brilliant principals and there are some brilliant teachers who will absolutely have zero tolerance for bullying and those schools stand out as absolute examples of how bullying should be handled but unfortunately there are some other schools that are just not dealing with the bullying in the correct way and uh, Pat uh, says that he was a bus driver not for the school. The school was involved in some kind of a sports match and they hired the bus so Pat was just on this bus driving the obviously the team and the supporters. And he said there was it was fifth and sixth year students were on the bus, big lads, and the supporters as well. So there was the team and the supporters. On the way home from the match, Pat could see, obviously in the rear view mirror of the bus, that one student was taken he, from his seat by the players and dragged back to the back of the bus and they stripped him naked. You know, the humiliation in front of all the other boys. You could just imagine the jeering that was going on. There was a teacher on the bus and Pat said to the teacher, are you seeing what's going on down at the back of the bus? And the teacher completely ignored it. The p- teacher turned around to Pat and said, you're paid to drive the bus, so do your job. And he completely ignored what was going on on the bus. That is just shocking. That really is a shocking, shocking story, uh, Pat. So if you've got that going on, 
and the bullies aware that the teacher has ignored it. What hope would you have in a school like that? 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. So Vincent de Paul in Bandon have been in contact with us to say they are delivering vouchers to those in need this Christmas. If you or somebody you know need some financial help this year, details can be given in confidence to St Vincent de Paul by dropping a note in the letterbox at their shop. Now their shop is on Weir Street in Bandon or you can drop it into the box in St Patrick's Church. You can also call 023 CBS Mitchellstown, they're relaunching their online bingo. It begins tomorrow night, Friday at 8 o'clock. Books can be bought online or from the school. They're also available in the local shops. Drive-in bingo is on in Gildalry. That's in the Creamery Yard tomorrow night at 8. And Tim League bingo is going ahead also tomorrow night at half past 8. Proof of vaccination, please, is needed for the Tim League bingo. And George Salter Townsend new book will be launched by Holly Kearns. That's on Saturday, half past three. And the venue is the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Still getting so many calls in about bullying. John and Bantry listened to the story of Pat driving the bus and the, the fifth year and sixth year lads dragging one of the young fellas and stripping him naked to humiliate him in front of everyone on the bus and the teacher on the bus ignoring it. John said, have I been driving that bus? I tell you what, Pat. He said, I'd have pulled in and gone to the nearest uh, Garda station. I wouldn't have cared if I lost my job. Some John in Bantry. Sheila says, Patricia, my son did similar to what you said your son did. I do feel the bullies know who to pick on. They'll always pick on the smallest or the weakest. They pick on the quiet uh, people who they know they can control. It can be the same in the workplace and that's why the stronger need to stand up for the weaker, is it not? Uh, John said, I was used many times. I feel like a guinea pig for the teachers saying to the other pupils in the class, if you don't learn properly, you'll end up like John. Look at him. John is stupid. I was dyslexic. Unfortunately, it wasn't recognised in the 80s. It was just seen as that I was lazy and uninterested and stupid. Uh, the, had the dyslexia been diagnosed, it would have been very different. It affected my confidence right into my 20s. I'm doing better now, but at times it does still hurt uh, me. Yeah, and you're not alone on that. There's so many others. I think back to a girl in my class now in hindsight that I I think dyslexia wasn't I wasn't around in my wasn't certainly wasn't being recognised in my day either. And there was definitely a young girl in my class who was a dyslexic and she was you know, the nuns almost made her like she was stupid, like she was the dunce in the in the class, which was so, so unfair. Nora says, Hi Patricia, like you, I told my son he needs to stand up for himself and he did. But I tell you what, like your son, what I was most proud of was the day he stood up for another boy. Now he ended up getting into trouble for it with the principal, the fact that he stood up for this other boy and he ended up getting punished for what he did. But, you know, he stood up for another boy. The child's parent that had been bullied came to me to thank my son for standing up for for him uh, my the, this other lad had the bullying been going on for nearly two years but when my son intervened it stopped the other lad was a new a child there and all of it uh, stopped this happened in primary school Hi Patricia I am a 45 year old male 
and I was working in a shop in a North Cork town. I was being bullied by a member of management. When I told my boss, the boss says said that the bully who was his right hand man and he wouldn't have a word said against him. I ended up leaving the job after a year and a half which is so wrong that you had to leave because of the bullying. Many years ago says this texture in my child's national school the school principal went from classroom to classroom from junior infants right up to sixth class and gave a really serious talk to the kids about bullying. He did this after every school holiday term and in particular after the summer holidays well done there's a really really good uh, principle and someone else says bullies should be taught uh, bullying anti-bullying messages should be taught in the very young years in school tell the children no bullying and if a child has been bullied they need to be encouraged to speak up we need to call it out for what it is yeah you are so right 1850 hi patricia can you wish our senior footballers all the best on Saturday in the county semi-final against Ballangiri. The game is at 6.45 in Porky Cueve and we are hoping everyone gets out to support. Thanking you so much and that's from everyone in Mallow GAA. So the best of luck to Mallow GAA semi-final against Ballangiri on uh, Saturday. I mentioned Christmas decorations uh, earlier because we're going to be talking about the holly bough in a moment. Margaret says, Morning Patricia, I love Christmas. I am 80. In my younger days, Christmas Eve was our decoration day. But now I always put them up on the 8th of December and then they stay in place until the 7th of January. The lights go out on the 6th, which is the last day of Christmas. And the following day, the 7th, I take them away, take them down, put them away for another year. Why would people put up their Christmas tree early in December or even in November and then take it down on the 1st of January before Christmas is over? Never makes sense to me, says Margaret. And you will notice that, Margaret, you're right. People who have a tendency to put up their decorations early are the ones, you'll see it on social media, they're the ones in the days, you know that week in between Christmas and New Year, the amount of people I will see taking down, it always saddens me to see because it's like they're ending Christmas too soon for me, but the amount of people that do it because they put it up so early. So yeah, a number of people will certainly do that. And Joan says, Hi Patricia, I'm worried about my granddaughter. She's paid to go to her Debs, but she doesn't have a COVID cert. Her parents don't agree with the vaccine. I'm wondering will she be allowed into the hotel without a COVID certificate? Uh, Joan I would suggest to your granddaughter that she checks with the hotel because a lot of events that are happening in hotels are insisting that you have to have your COVID uh, cert they're not just your COVID cert, you need to photo ID to prove that it's your COVID cert. So I would be saying to your, her gran- to your granddaughter make sure and check with the hotel because the last thing that your granddaughter needs is to turn up on the night all dressed up, you know, beautifully dressed up for the Debs and all the fanfare that goes with Debs now to only to discover that she gets to the hotel and without a COVID search she's not allowed in so I will be certainly checking in. Somebody else is asking about uh, booster shots and what's happening with booster shots. I know Tony Houlihan was talking about booster shots yesterday. Obviously, Tony Houlihan and Neffet are very worried about the surge in cases and the rise in COVID infections at the moment. And they're terrified that the hospitals are going to be put under pressure, which could then put us back into the grip of the virus and the way we were earlier on uh, this year. He said that so far, booster vaccines have yet to show significant impact among people in their mid to late 70s because the reason for that is only 20% of that age group have their uh, booster. But they are 
expecting improvements. They're, they have seen improvements in the over 80s because most of them have already got their uh, booster. But he was asked if there was a timetable to roll out boosters to groups beyond the over 60s and the immune compromised and the healthcare workers. And I know Professor Karina Butler, chair of NIAC, who make that decision, she says as of yet, there's no plan to give boosters to people under the age of 60 unless they are immune compromised or unless they're a healthcare worker. However, she did say that they're almost there in making a decision on people under 60 with an underlying health condition. NIAC will consider other groups when they consider boosters are needed for them and also when it's safe to uh, do so because the Taunus and Varadkar he said the situation with the virus obviously he's talking about it's taken a turn for the worst and he reckons actually case numbers are actually higher than what we're, we're are being reported on. He reckons there are over 4,000 per day but there's a backlog in reporting. He says as Taunus that he is uh, pressing with the government for an acceleration and expansion of the vaccine booster programme and he's citing evidence that is coming from Israel and I've been closely watching the evidence coming from Israel which has undertaken a widespread booster programme for people over the age of 12 in Israel. Now Israel has double Ireland's population and they're only reporting a couple of hundred cases per day and they're saying that that's down to offering the booster to people over the age of 12. So it's good to know that Eva Radker is keeping a close eye on that but at the moment Nayak are, are saying that that's not what they're looking at at the moment. And actually tomorrow on the programme I'm going to be speaking with Richard Chambers of Virgin Media. He has that book out called uh, State of Emergency that I'm reading at the moment. And you know, I'm at sort of at the very end of the book because I'm going to have it all read for when I interview Richard tomorrow. But I'm just at the stage where uh, Christmas, last Christmas has happened and heading into the early part of this year. God knows, we all know uh, what happened. But the fear factor on behalf of Neffet when the government make, made the decision to reopen everything as they did at, uh, at uh, Christmas is just scary. And I was reading some of the book last night and then I switched on uh, to the news and I was watching the figures on the news. And, you know, I was watching, you know, Tony Hoolan saying to people to... There's a slippage on mask wearing and and other measures and asking people to reduce their mixing and asking people, you know, he was saying that if you're going out this weekend and you're planning on going out two nights, only go out one night. Or if you're planning on having 10 people around, maybe have that and only have five people around. And and because I had in my head what I was reading in the book, what had happened last year, I almost got a sense of deja vu. And I was thinking, please don't say we're going down the same route and that we're going to make the same mistakes again. It's just now I know the big difference between this year and last year and that time last Christmas, what you know, the high number of people that are vaccinated. But then you read and hear of the vaccination is waning and the need for the booster and NIAC seem to be slow about giving everyone the booster. And then, you know, Tony Hoolan saying if you're going out two nights, only go out one night. If you're having 10 people over, only five people. Some of that just sounds very like confused messaging. I think people need to be told this is what you need to do and, you know, keep the messaging on point, I think, as much as possible. Anyway, I'll chat in more detail with uh, Richard Chambers on his book, State of Emergency, tomorrow. And by God, is it a gripping 
page turning read not that there's anything in the book that I didn't know you, you, you know you know what's coming next you know what's coming next but some of it's heartbreaking at times because he's got personal stories contained in the book as well it's a great book and I look forward to ch- chatting to Richard about it tomorrow 1850 let's lighten it all though now and let's take a break and back after the break we'll be previewing this year's wonderful Holly Bell Court today on C Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Christmas is fast approaching when you see the Holly Bow on sale in your local news agent and discuss this year's edition. I'm joined, as always, by the editor of the Holly Bow, and that is John Dolan. Good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Patricia. Hope you're well. I'm very well. Uh, thank you for my copy and for my bar of chocolate. That was a very <laughs> sweet little thing to do. I am sharing it uh, with John welcome. Paul. You'll be delighted to hear. <laughs> delighted now, to hear. Now, as always, let's start with the uh, cover, which again, I always get excited when I look at the cover and I just have to really scrutinise it and look at all the detail. Now, the artist in question is a guy by the name of Keith Anderson, who is self-taught. Yeah, he's an extraordinary guy, Keith. Um, yeah, I mean, every year for the last well, several years now, Patricia, we've we've had a different uh, Cork artist to design that artwork on the cover, just to give it a you know, it, it's it's obviously it's it's the Holly Bow, it's it's the red cover, which is very traditional, um, but it just gives a nice little different festive flavour each year with a different style, I guess. And Keith is, is a fascinating fella. He, he's out in Douglas, but yeah, I mean, he didn't even study art at school, even though he loved it. He was steered towards science, um, and he ended up working on building sites. Um, and then it was only a few years ago when he decided, look, I'm going to pursue my dream and become an artist, which he is. And he caught, his work caught my eye on social media, actually, because uh, he, he does these great artworks, really detailed of Cork City. So uh, early this year, back in May, actually, <laughs> with the sun cracking the flags in, in the late <laughs> spring, um, I contacted uh, Keith to see he could, if he could design this year's cover. And we had a chat and he came up with what, what everyone can see there in front of them on the cover. And this, is just this, was, th- this was a painting he'd already done and then he had 
adapted it for the Holly Bell. Yeah, he was he was having a think about it, and he he said he was struggling at times to to come up with a good idea because he didn't do Christmas things normally. He's he's very much you know he wouldn't be uh, he he's more of a Cork City sort of streetscapes person, I guess. But yeah, he did the, he had this painting originally, which wasn't a Christmassy a wintry scene at all, um, and it shows the Southgate Bridge and then and then St Finbar's Cathedral behind it. It's a, it's a gorgeous picture. But he said to me, "Look, I'm going to adapt this picture and turn it into a nice snowy scene, put a robin mm. at the front, and put a certain." Um, Gentlemen walking across the bridge. And you have to look for that. You have to look you for you, you can see the little the man in the red with the long white beard walking over the bridge. It's beautiful. It really <laughs> it's is. Well done, well done to, uh, to Keith. And actually, for you've produced a podcast for the first time this year and Keith features on that. Yes, he does. I mean, isn't it funny because I was thinking this is my 20th Holly Bell, by the way. And, um, is this? Congratulations. Back in, back in the day, you know, we used to hit the hit the, the start button on the presses uh, down in Academy Street there and that was it really for me. I, I kind of bowed out and I went into the background and now it's uh, with the social media and the website uh, and everything else and the marketing that goes on with the Holly Bell, it's, it's becoming almost busier now than it was before. Uh, but yeah, we, we, this year for the first time we've, we're producing a couple of podcasts um, and you can hear the first one uh, is on our website it's echolive.ie slash hollybow uh, and it's a chat it's a lovely chat that we're missing between myself and Keith Anderson talking about how he came up with the cover artwork his own passion for art which really comes through in the podcast uh, and the other work that he's done and it's it's just it's just a lovely kind of addition I guess it's, mm. it's just something that people can listen to and um, we've also got a second podcast which will be coming out in the next few weeks which is uh, myself chatting with Jerry Diffney I'm looking um, forward to this one now I, I am, know I because um, everybody loves the Diffany quiz. Oh, it's it's become an institution in Cork, hasn't it? And and it's, it's if anyone doesn't know, it's sixty questions, and it's made up of numbers and letters, and you have to you know you have to guess the phrase or whatever it is. It could be a song title or a book or um, or a Cork institution or something like that. Um, so Jerry comes up with these, and it's kind of a, it's a really fascinating quiz, and the whole family get together and do it every Christmas. It's become a great tradition. Um, so I have a good chat, uh, as I say, with this, in this podcast. I'm talking to Jerry about um, how the quiz came about really and uh, he's a very funny guy actually he comes up with Is some he? really interesting stuff about you know he, he, he runs uh, he's just retired actually he runs Differently for Men which is um, has several of these menswear shops around the Dublin area and he actually told me on the podcast because um, I said to him why don't you open up a, a branch in Cork City because people will be coming in off the streets uh, to, to, uh, to speak to him and to meet the, the famous Jerry Differently and he said well look he says there's so many good menswear shops in Cork City that yeah. you know it's well known in the trade um, that it's, it's you know it's, it's it's almost like you know there's so many good ones that there's no room for another but um, which is probably a shame for Jerry is, but, uh, is he a cork man? No, he's not. He's no. from Dublin. Yeah, he is. He's, he's completely Dublin. And it was interesting because he used to do this Diffney quiz. Now, I came across it in, in the late 90s when I was coming over to Ireland with, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, and, you know, her whole family used to pick up this Diffney quiz. There was no internet then, so they'd just pick up the Diffney quiz from the shops. Um, <laughs> just yeah. pop in and get one. And then, you know, we'd all spend all Christmas doing it. And what I loved about it was, you know, the, my, my father-in-law would, would get some of them. But, you know, the little nieces and nephews... You you know, who were only young would get others because they may be, you know, kids' film titles and stuff like that. So when I became editor of the Holly Bow, I contacted Jerry and uh, quite nervous thinking, oh, he's going to be, he's going to say, oh, no, nobody else is having my Diffney quiz. Um, but I, I put it to him. I said, look, we'd love to put this in the Holly Bow. And he, he agreed he'd, he'd do a special cork 
you know, yeah, uh, Disney Christmas yeah. Cart flavor, yeah. yeah. And it, it's just fabulously successful. It's, so, yeah, it's and it's great. a great it's chat. Great. It's, it's great. And the chat. amount of people that when you mention, uh, actually, even only this week when I said I'd be talking about the Holly Bell uh, today, <laughs> the amount of people says, oh, I can't wait to do the, uh, the Disney quiz. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it almost has become a Christmas institution as well. So we look forward uh, to that podcast. And yep. terribly posh in that you have got recipes from Ooh. some Michelin star chefs. Oh, well, yes. I mean, yeah, we, we have a food and drink section every year in the Holly Bell. Obviously, Patricia, it's a big part of everyone's Christmas, isn't it? Uh, the old food and a drink. And, and we decided this year, because we now have four Michelin star chefs in Cork, so we asked two of them um, if they could provide us with, with some nice recipes for our Holly Bell readers. So it's, it's Rob Crawchick, who's out in Ballydehob, and Ahmet Dade, who's out in Baltimore. Um, so both of them have come up with, with some particular recipes for our readers. And, and we also interview them in the Holly Bell as well, and they both have absolutely fascinating backstories and in, incredible lives, but their passion for food is just, it comes through every word, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a recipe for, for a turkey, um, a particular recipe for turkey, and we have other kind of And you see, I'm a, you can, uh, Rob, from the, the chestnut in Ballydehob, I'm mm. a big fan of Brussels sprouts, so I am definitely <laughs> going to try. He's sautéed Brussels sprouts, chilli and scorched almonds. Oh, wow. Look, really looking good, forward. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to <laughs> it that. Does okay. It's <laughs> uh, so much to talk about though. You've got you've got obituaries and the ones uh, mm. there's really touching uh, two uh, ones that really caught my attention. Uh, Linda Kenny writing both of them, Billa and uh, Carol Sullivan. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, every year in the Holly Bell, we do. We have an obituary section anyway, and we always pay tribute to people who've sadly left us in the previous 12 months. And, uh, yeah, this, this year in particular, we had Bill O'Connell there not so long ago, and, of course, Cairo Sullivan at the start of the year. Uh, and so, yeah, Linda Kenny has written two gorgeous tributes to them both. She knew them both very well. They were both, obviously, great performers in Cork and uh, great Cork traditions and great Christmas traditions, too, because, yeah, obviously, Bill are, Bill are well-known for the panto, but... Um, Lots of people wouldn't know, will be familiar with Cara's famous, you know, singing in the church at Christmas. Um, so, yeah, it's, they're just lovely tributes. And I think Christmas is a time of year when everybody sort of looks back and remembers the people who aren't no, are no longer with them, you know. And they'll, both um, so so, they'll both be so missed this Christmas. Of course, Bill was yeah. a Christmas Day baby as well. So it's going to be a real, real sad day for, for his uh, family. Now, yeah. some of the stories that really stood out for me, they got, the one about John uh, Judge, the Cork's Robinson Crusoe, seven months on an uninhabited island. This is one of the most extraordinary stories I've ever heard. And it's, it was a story that, when it was pitched to me by somebody earlier this year, I thought, oh, surely there's been a book. Surely that's been around. Surely there's a reason I've not. But I did a search. I trawled all of our newspaper archives, all the internet, and nothing really about this particular guy. He's incredible. He, he had an amazing life. And yeah, you're right. He, uh, he spent several months um, in, in, these, in the South Atlantic on this uninhabited uh, island with, with many of his crew. About a dozen of his crew joined uh, the, the, the ship had... Um, sunk uh, off the coast of this island and him himself and some of his crew managed to get to this rock and live there for several months and and the stories of what they did is it's just incredible initially they had to eat raw birds to survive because they didn't have a fire and then eventually when the matches they had had dried out they, they lit a fire and they kept it going every single day for seven months on this windswept barren island with very little air and, and it's just incredible that um, they've just managed to eventually uh, build a makeshift boat to get them to a larger island uh, where they knew which had a store for, for shipwreck survivors like themselves. So they, they got there and then they had the fortune of there was a ship passing by which oh, was gosh. on an Antarctic exhibition, expedition. Um, and it, 
damp ship managed to bring them over to New Zealand, where they they were famous in the day. They were they were heroes, and mm. everyone wanted to wanted to do their autographs, you know. And it's just a, and this guy was from was from Cork. From Cork. Lo- incredible yeah. story. Lucky yeah. to have, have survived. And a fascinating story from the architect John O'Connell. He was renovating a house, and he discovered this uh, what they reckoned was an ice house, but they it was used by people on the run from the Black and Tans. Yeah, it was. I mean, it had two lives, basically. But the, the extraordinary thing is that when, when, um, when this guy, John O'Connell, bought the house, nobody knew. N- n- the planners didn't know the architect. Nobody knew that underneath the house, uh, which is in, out, out there in Shandon, it's in Dominic Street uh, in the city there, was it this ice house. Now, it would have been built in the 1700s to, to store ice, um, and they think it was probably connected to the butter trade. Um, but it had a second life as well, because um, John O'Connell says that there was a very elderly neighbour 20 years ago when he when he got the house, who was telling him that during the, the days of the Black and Tans, that it was well known that the people who were trying to escape from, from all these people, they had an underground network, and the ice houses seemed to have been a part of that. So extraordinary, two parts of history. Um, and then obviously the, the ice house was forgotten about, and um, people were living there f- for many decades without realising it until, as I say, John John surveyors managed to say, you have another room underneath the house. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Yeah, stuff, isn't it? It, it, yeah, it really, really is. Mary and Carrie Galine has been on to say, I've just read The Holly Bow and it is magic. I really um, enjoyed it, especially the story on George Hook, uh, says oh, yeah. Mary. And I loved the one where Pavarotti uh, performed in uh, Cork. There's a great photograph uh, of him as well. It was the 1957 Coral Cork International Choral Festival and it would have been before uh, Pavarotti became uh, famous there is so much I could talk to you all day uh, John it is absolutely another stunning edition congratulations on your 20th and uh, <laughs> we and I'll spend all of Christmas I, I deliberately have kept part of it I haven't read all of it because it's something I love to do over Christmas it's just you know when you get those quiet moments just pick up the holly bough and yeah. there's always something to read I mean that's yeah, the I success of it congratulations and I have a great Christmas if I don't talk to you between now and then and thanks for joining us on the programme No problem thanks Patricia Good Take morning care. to you bye bye and I imagine a lot of holly bells will be winging their way around the world as well because I always love looking at the photographs you know the people from around the world when they get photographs of where they are with their holly bells so if you've loved ones abroad send them on the holly bell make sure they get a photograph and they might make it into next year's edition OK that's where I have to leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon and stay safe. And mind yourself because it's windy out there. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.